Welcome to Whipple's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Whipple. Four months ago, Patrick Baldwin stunned the college basketball world. Regarded as one of the elite prep players in the United States, Patrick formally announced he would play for the University of Milwaukee. Patrick turned down offers from virtually every major college powerhouse in the country, Kentucky, Duke, Virginia, among others. Hi, I'm Gary Wolfel, and thanks for joining me and my special guests. The aforementioned uh, Patrick Baldwin and his father, Pat, the head coach at Milwaukee. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. So what's your uh, day been so far? It sounds like you're up bright and early. So today we started out with a lift. And then after this, I've got a couple classes to go to. And then we hit the court about 3.30 and we take a practice with our team. So your day is pretty well booked, huh? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. You know, before we get into this, I was just thinking this. Now, Patrick, are you on campus or are you living at home? Uh, I'm on campus, actually. Oh, you are? Okay. That must be kind of a neat experience. Yeah, I think it was important to kind of get the full college experience. So I think being on campus with the students was important. I thought your dad would uh, bring you back and forth and <laughs> be a nice guy about it. Uh, so, hey, we, we got a lot of topics to uh, discuss today. But uh, the one I really wanted to start out with is what's been the reaction for the both of you since Patrick made his big decision? Pat? No, it's it's been very positive. Um, obviously with uh, Patrick's status as a, as a very good high school basketball player and, and all the things that he's accomplished in his uh, four-year career in high school and, and playing AAU and, and then with uh, Team USA, um, you know, there's just been a great buzz. You know, I think with uh, some other players that we have on our team as well, there's been a great feedback and, and a great excitement about what's to come. So we're just anxious to, to get to work and, and work every single day and try to get better. Sure. How about you, Patrick? What, what, what's been the reaction from your friends and even people you didn't know prior to this? I think for the most part, it was all positive. I think I like where I'm at. I think I like the team and I think I like the coaching staff. And I think it's a good place for me to grow for a year and really kind of get to know the college basketball rings. And there's no better person to do that with than my dad. So I'm super happy to be here. And I think it's going to be a good year. Did, did either of you have any... Uh kind of humorous or memorable run-ins with anybody along the way since you made your decision? Anybody say anything that kind of, you know, struck a chord with you? Uh, I'd say nobody in person yet. I think a lot of that stuff kind of took off in social media and stuff where you just look at the comments and sometimes it's people just not really knowing my situation and I can't really blame them for that. But I think in person, every, everybody's been pretty cool. Um, especially in the city of Milwaukee, there's, a great buzz, and I think they all love our team so far. Are you heavily involved in social media? I mean, do you like it? Some people stay off of it because they see the bad side of social media, or are you one of those guys that, hey, I really enjoy it and kind of embrace it? Yeah, I think your social media, especially in today's age, is basically your brand. Um, So I like to put my best foot forward on social media, and I think it's a great place and a great way to grow your fan base and kind of show people what you're up to. And I think there's a lot of positive in social media, but there's also the negatives that you talked about um, that I tend to stay away from. But I think social media, such as Twitter, Instagram, is 
just a great way to kind of engage with people. And I think it's a pretty cool platform. So how many followers do you get? <laughs> um, a million already? <laughs> I wish, but I do have a solid following, but always looking to grow. Do you follow other players on Twitter, for instance? I mean, NBA players, college players? Yeah, I follow pretty much a lot of the guys that I take after with my game. And then also I just follow a bunch of guys that, you know, are just fun followers on Twitter, um, like Kyle Anderson or Kevin Durant. So there's a lot of different ways that you can look at Twitter and different players you can follow. And they're all interesting in their own way. I, I find Kevin Durant to be a particularly good follow. I mean, Kevin Durant doesn't hold back, does he? <laughs> no, not at all. But he also drops some really good nuggets in basketball. So when he's not clapping back at people on Twitter, I think he has some very good things to say about the sport. Pat, are you going to allow your son to be on Twitter during the basketball season? <laughs> I, I feel very comfortable in, in the way that we uh, try to raise Patrick and to be uh, independent from that perspective, but also use great judgment. And Patrick's, you know, from what we've seen so far is use great judgment. And and I have no problem with him being on there. Just like you said, you know, a lot of our young people, they're they're using this as their their platform, their brand. Sure. And, you know, for someone like Patrick, it's a way to engage with fans. It's also uh, to let people know who he is a little bit without, um, you know, them uh, getting too deep into that. Yeah. Pat, how would you uh, describe your son? You know, obviously, you know him probably better than anyone. If somebody had said, hey, what is Patrick like? How would you respond? You know, first of all, I think he's a very caring and, and conscientious type of person um, who cares about everyone and, and, uh, and takes everyone for who they are. And, uh, but also, he's a, he's a very humble, smart, and very talented young man that has the world at his hands because he can do so many different things and not just in basketball. He's he's gifted in, in other areas as well. So, you know, I, I'm very lucky to have been able to have been around him and raise him and, and develop him to to this point for 18 years and and now to uh, to be in a situation to you know to coach him where I think that he'll bring the the IQ and the smarts and the athletic ability and all those things that you want in a in a player. Yeah, I, I recall a, a few months ago, uh, Patrick, when I interviewed you for a story, you had mentioned that you'd like to paint or draw. Is that correct? I'm trying to recall. Yes, sir. Uh, anything in particular that you like to do? And what does it mean to be able to do that? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think first and foremost, my main thing is basketball. And then just kind of having a couple of different side hobbies to do. Um, keeps me busy um, because I like to work my mind a lot. And then as a basketball player, you got to keep your mind fresh. So if I'm just sitting around looking at my phone for eight hours a day or five hours a day, that's not, that's kind of counterproductive to all the work that I put in in the basketball. Does that help you to get away from basketball though? I mean, is it kind of an ex escape for you? Yeah, I'd say in some sense it's an escape, but I don't think basketball is something that I need to escape from because I think it's, it's really something that, I like in my life and if I love to do it, I don't think there's much need to escape from it other than I think I just have other things I like to do. Yeah. Hey, Pat, uh, going through this recruiting process probably wasn't anything novel for you. you. You went through it many times as a coach already, but you also went through it as a player yourself, right? Back in the day. Yes. You ended up at Northwestern where I may add, I think you are the all-time leader yet. And steals. Is that right? 
That is correct. Yes. Epic, did you know that? I did. Yes. Wow. <laughs> so, so your son is going to learn how to play defense. I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, you might, and I think he's already picked up on that stuff. I think he's uh, he he and I are different in in positioning and all that stuff, but yeah. I was a little bit more uh, on ball and and use quickness and all that stuff. And Patrick is he's a very good defensive player um, in his in his way. You know, he uses his smarts and intelligence. Uh, he has great length, great size. Um, so I think he can impact that in just as much as he can on the offensive end too. Interesting. Pat, going back to your uh, days uh, as a high school player, were you pretty highly recruited? Were there a bunch of schools that came after you at that point? Well, I had some, some pretty good schools like Kansas, Missouri, UConn that were recruiting yeah. me when I was coming up, but not at the level that, that Patrick was, you know, not a McDonald's all American. And, and I'm really happy for Patrick because of that. But going through that, I'm just really excited that that I had that experience that I could draw, help him draw back on and look at and, and see maybe some of the things that that uh, maybe I could have changed that helped him in his recruitment. Um, you know, not only going through that, but also being a coach and, and coaching at the high major level as an mm -hmm. assistant at Northwestern. Um, I think it allowed me to step back even more because of how much pressure there is on kids um, at that level. Um, so for me, it was let him go through this process. I had already gone through it. You know, this was his dream, not mine. And, you know, that was the most important thing that, that he was happy at the end of the day. When did this recruiting process for Patrick begin? I mean, you hear stories about college coaches contacting players when they're in grade school. I mean, you know, it, it back when I played, which wasn't very good, by the way, <laughs> I mean, nobody contacted you until your senior year. And now it's almost to the point, like by the time they're born, somebody's there to make a contract offer to you. Yeah. I think Patrick was on the radar in sixth and seventh grade. He was that good yeah. at that age and not that coaches were out there, you know, really pursuing them, but there were different, you know, recruiting websites and people who would put things out there about some of the best players, whether it was whether it was locally or nationally. And Patrick was on that radar. And then I think it really started turning, you know, in the eighth and ninth grade, um, you know, when he was declared where he was going to go to high school uh, prior to us coming here to Milwaukee. And I think it took another step. And then, um, you know, when he was, you know, his freshman year at, at Hamilton, he had a he had a very good freshman year. And then that summer and the following summer playing AAU, you know, he really opened the eyes of a lot of college coaches and, and recruiting analysts and people like that. So um, it, it, it had started at a, at a young age. And I think that's what's really helped Patrick from this perspective, from that perspective is, is that nothing phases him. He doesn't get too high or low about it. He also knows that you just have to continue to work no matter where they rank you or anything like that. And I don't think he's concerned about rankings and stuff like that at all. As a head coach, does that bother you that some of these services come out and rank grade school kids as basketball players? You know, it doesn't bother me. Um, you know, I think sometimes if you don't have the right handle on it, not, not the recruiting analyst because they're just doing their job and probably love basketball like you and I do. And they just, they see a talented kid and they say he's one of the best that I have seen. That's, that's what I think a lot of the rankings are, but I think on the outside of it, I think it's, it's us as parents, it's people around them that really have to uh, handle it the best in the best way and, and not allow, you know, our, our kids heads to, to fill up. 
because of that. So, you know, I just think it's the way that you handle it. And um, I think it's good in some respect, but also it could be, you know, if we don't live up to um, those rankings and all of that, especially early, you know, I think it could be a, a, an issue or problem with some kids. Patrick, uh, do you remember the first offer you got? Um, yeah, I think, I believe unofficially yeah. it was from my dad, but I, I think my first, it was, <laughs> yeah, but I think my That's first official man. offer was, um, UNLV. Really? Yeah, I believe so. How, how long ago was this again? I'm sorry. Um, I think this was right at the sophomore year, I believe. Okay. It Possibly head coach. No, this was right before my freshman year, I think actually. Okay. So I think it was from the assistant coach or head coach or somebody. And then, but really from that point on, I had never really talked to UNLV, so. Tell me what ran through your mind when you're basically a freshman in high school and, and a major college comes along and offers you a scholarship. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. I think my perspective might be a little bit different uh, considering I had been around college basketball at that point for pretty much my entire life. So I know it was definitely a big deal to me, but I think my perspective might be a little watered down in my experience. Um, but I was, it was still a pretty cool opportunity to know that I get to play college basketball for free. Yeah. I, I'm sure each of you got a ton of memories of this recruiting process, but was there one that kind of stood out that, that separated itself from the others? Pat? You know, I don't know if there's one that, that separated itself, but any time and, and for, you know, if I'm a parent and I'll put on that hat uh, for me when you know, Patrick just talked about UNLV or other colleges that, that uh, started recruiting him and, and think of, of him as a, as a very good player. That's special um, when you, you know, you try to put in as much work as, as Patrick has done um, and try to help him along the way and guide him. But then to have, you know, someone of expertise, whether it's a coach or a recruiting analyst say, hey, I think this highly of you that I'm going to offer you a scholarship or or recruit you. That's that's special in and of itself because you know how much work has been had been put in. So when he started getting recognition and offers and all of that stuff, I was just elated and yeah. was extremely extremely happy for him. How about you, Patrick? Any special moment? Yeah, I mean throughout my recruitment, I don't know if there's really one moment that really stands out. I think probably the process was pretty cool. Um, just seeing where I started off freshman year and then seeing kind of where my story and my journey ended up now. I think looking back on it, it was pretty cool. And I think minus the injury and minus missing my senior year, I think it's something that I'd gladly do over again. I can mention, you know, the uh, pandemic kind of wreaked havoc uh, on everybody, coaches, uh, recruits, et cetera. Were you able to make any official visits? Yeah, so that was also the other thing. I was never able to take any uh, official visits. So the most I had seen a school was an unofficial visit, and I only, only visited about three schools. Um, and so that's what made my decision tough and kind of pushed my decision back into the, the spring of this year. So I think COVID kind of messed that up for a lot of recruits and a lot of players um, in my position that were kind of uh, committing late. And I think that would have been something that if I would have had an opportunity to do, I think I definitely would have taken the opportunity to take some visits. You, you did go to three schools, though? Yeah. Took Wait, some which ones were those? So unofficial Northwestern and then... You can throw in Milwaukee too, but I was there a lot. And then uh, Duke and North Carolina. Those are my schools that I visited. Okay. Going to UWM, right? I, I keep calling it UWM. 
having known the school for so long now, mm-hmm. how, how do you appeal to your son, Pat? <laughs> so how do you how do you show him around the campus and say, hey, this is the place for you? You know, again, um, you know, when he comes into my office and into the school, you know, I, I just want him to be as authentic as I possibly could. And there were times that when he came to campus that he just ventured on on and around campus sure. uh, on his own. And I, I wanted him to do that. And then there were other times that, you know, mm-hmm. a couple of our assistant coaches may have walked with him to, to certain spots around campus too, or or just to, just to hang out. So I, I wanted him to, to have that and think again, clearly and on his own and independent of, of what I could tell him. Um, I, I know how Patrick is as a person and, uh, you know, I didn't want to interrupt that. You know, he found, you know, I think there was one instance he went along um, an area that has a lot of food places and, and I know he loves food. So I know he, he's asking about, about that and checking those things out. So I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. And on his kind of unofficial visit to, to campus. Did you have any in-home visits? Were they allowed? In-home you, visits? No. In, no, nobody, no coaches came to the house or met you anywhere, huh? Yeah. Wow. No. That, that, that is a really a strange way of recruiting though, isn't it? I mean, Unfortunately, it's a strange situation. We did all Zoom um, during the COVID and when we were at home. So a lot of the a lot of the schools did a lot of Zoom kind of unofficial visits, if you will. You know, uh, a few years ago, I talked to a very highly recruited player, and he was telling me about some of the coaches that came to his house. And he said the one that stood out was John Calipari from Kentucky. And I asked him why, and he said, Cal Perry walked into his living room carrying a briefcase. They sat down and he clicked open the suitcase and there was a stack of contracts of players who played for him who signed with the NBA. And he said, basically, this is what I can do for you. Pat, what's the best story you've ever heard about a coach coming trying to land a player? I mean, this kid was just blown away. I mean, there were just hundreds of millions of dollars in contracts and well, the best story I ever heard, and actually he he coached me when I was at Northwestern. Ricky Birdsong was my my head coach my final year in college as a senior. But I had heard stories of him when he would meet recruits at the airport. He would wear gorilla outfits along with Kevin O'Neill, you know, just to yep. open the eyes of the recruits and and try to let them know that they were kind of kids at heart, but make them feel comfortable as well. So that was one story. And then um, you know, the other stories too, um, you know, Patrick and I had been recruited by the same coach, um, uh, coach Roy Williams, when mm-hmm. coach was at Kansas and then, uh, um, and then Patrick, or he was at North Carolina, North Carolina recruiting Patrick. So, um, just a lot of the similarities between, um, my recruitment and Patrick's recruitment, as far as the person and dealing with coach Williams, you know, it just shows the type of character and man that, that Coach Williams is. He's he's never changed. He's always been the same. And, uh, you know, that that was really special to to have that kind of moment. You know, I, I've had a chance to meet uh, Coach Williams on a couple of occasions, too. And one of the classiest men you'll ever encounter. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Patrick, uh, I know you didn't get to know these coaches really well, but in the short amount of time that you did, was there a coach or two that really made an impression on you that, you, you know, thought, wow, this guy's pretty impressive? Yeah, I think for forever and until I 
pass away, I'll say one of my favorite coaches that recruited me was uh, Patrick Ewing. Wow. And, you know, his program's on the come up, and I think him and Coach John Thompson have a really good plan in place for the next coming years. And I think I think just Patrick Ewing was always genuine with me, and he always kept it real with me. And I just think for the most part, he was a guy that I talked to a ton. I could talk about pretty much anything with him. And I think he had a lot of characteristics similar to my dad. And I think if I were to play for somebody, I think Patrick Ewing would be right up there um, just because of the person that he is and the, th the things and the experiences he's been through. Um, he was able to talk a lot about guys that he played with and played against. Um, so I think he just has a lot of insight that I think a lot of coaches really can't offer. And that's something that I think was really special about him. Yeah, and he uh, bring up Michael Jordan. He does a lot. <laughs> Hard to believe, huh? <laughs> I, I would imagine, you know, the vast majority of people out there that are listening to this have never been recruited, much less recruited to the extent that you've been recruited. How much pressure was on you? Did you ever feel it? Did it ever get to be burdensome? Yeah, I don't think, I mean, with basketball, I think it's a cliche that basketball players don't feel pressure, but I think basketball is something that I really enjoy doing. It's been a game that I've played since a kid. Um, so when I get to that point where I'm being recruited to go to these high-level programs, it's something that I feel like I've been prepared for my entire life. So if I look at it as pressure, I think that's looking at myself and saying I'm not ready for it, which I never want to tell myself that. Yeah. If not Milwaukee, who then? Uh, I can't say that. I would like to respect <laughs> my decision. A future politician right here. <laughs> yeah. And the, all the other coaches that were very intricate in my decision. But I think there were a ton of schools that had a legitimate chance. But I think just playing for my dad was too good of an opportunity to miss out on. Did you hear from the critics saying that you might have made the wrong decision? Saying that Yeah, they, I think I think with any commitment, you would get those people that would say I made the wrong decision for my career and saying that this was not the best decision logically. But I think in my heart, and I think people that know me the closest know that this is a decision that was a long time coming and it just took me to pull the trigger on it for me to make it official. Pat, how much time do you, have you spent over the years coaching Patrick? I, the reason I bring it up is I got to know Jabari Parker's father uh, very well over the years, and he said he hardly ever coached Jabari, that he let other people coach him. What, what was your approach? You know, my, I, I couldn't coach him because of NCAA rules, um, so that was number one, but okay. I felt like – um, we had worked out a ton when Patrick was growing up and he would come to, you know, I was at Loyola, I was at Missouri State and Northwestern and, and here, uh, there were plenty of opportunities that Patrick would come to school, uh, whether to my school, whether it was early in the morning um, or after school to uh, whether it's a 30 or an hour, hour work, 30 minute an hour workout. So I consider that coaching and developing, you know, versus the actual game. And and sometimes you learn the most during that time. You, you learn uh, the character of a young man. You learn what they can and can't uh, take and, and all those things. And, um, you know, Patrick was always willing, number one. And because he had that love for it, it made it, love for the game, it made it easier for me to, you know, to, to bring him along and, and work with him. And the other side of that is he had a want to to become the best that he could possibly be. And you could find him. So some of the things that maybe I would teach him or develop and work with him on, 
in a in an individual type of workout, I would look out my window of an office and see him doing those things on mm. his own too. So sometimes the the best workout is by yourself because uh, that allows you to be creative. You know, sometimes we're always telling them, "Hey, what to do, what to do." Um, but I felt and found that with Patrick, a lot of times he became even more creative by himself sometimes. Wow. That's, that's interesting. You have a very tight knit family. I, I, I've talked to your wife on several occasions and, uh, you have three girls in the family as well, correct? Yes. Uh, is it that tight of a group? I mean, it seems like you guys get along fabulously. <laughs> we're, like, we're, we're like every family across the country we have our ups and downs and sibling rivalries and and uh, all of that stuff but we are very tight we're very close we care about each other we love each other so much and um you know we try to you know between our family and and really really close friends we just try to keep that that network as, as small as we possibly can uh without being arrogant about it you know there's there's no arrogance at all uh, we just like to be very unassuming, um, not out there like that. And, and I think that's the way we'll, we'll continue to keep that. And, and I think it's, it's helped our, our kids in, in that respect, um, because they have their, their certain friends and their independence and things that they like to do, but they're also not out there in, in the world for, uh, people to, to judge as often. Uh, Patrick, it's, it's obvious you have a, uh, great appreciation for your father, a great amount of respect. Mm -hmm. If you didn't have that kind of rapport, that deep respect for him, admiration for him, do you think you would have ended up there? Yeah, I think I think a lot of coaches' sons, sons in my position can attest to this, I think. And I don't know them personally, but I think players like Doug McDermott and Michael Porter Jr. can say pretty much the same thing I'm about to say. And I think my dad has gotten me to this point so far, and a lot of that has also been with me, but I think most importantly, he's given me all the tools that I need to be successful. So then I think in the back end, I got to help him out too. That's something that I really took to heart when I was in the back end of my recruitment and just seeing the stories of like RJ Hunter and yeah. um, Doug McDermott and just seeing Patrick McCaffrey, who I'm good friends with, um, and just seeing how that all worked out. And I think it was something that was really something that I really couldn't pass up on. Pat, did you confer with other coaches who coached their sons at the college level? Yeah, absolutely. I, I talked with a number of uh, for either former or current head coaches that have coached their son or, or are currently coaching their son. And and I just, I just, you know, for me, it was, I don't want to act like I've done this before and, and not consult the people that are really experiencing this, you know, so I, I wanted, I wanted to make sure that with Patrick's career, with all the things that he's wanting to accomplish at the college level, I wanted to make sure that I'm prepared for, um, but also understand the whether it's pitfalls or the great things that could happen uh, because of this. I, I wanted to make sure that that I understood it and understood what I was getting myself into, and and certainly for Patrick, I want him to have the greatest experience that he can possibly have and not regret this and all those things. So. And I'm also not naive in learning from those coaches who have coached their sons. There's going to be some times that that uh, you know that it may be tough for Patrick, and it may be tough for me. I, um, you know, from mm -hmm. there's going to be times. There's going to be times like that, and that's what those other coaches have said when they've coached their their own kids. That uh, you know, sometimes it's a it's a challenge, but 
you know, if you put it all in perspective, you understand that, you know, there's coach, there's, then there's dad and, and, uh, being in that middle at some point, um, you know, is really tough. So you gotta, you know, you have to understand those, that, that dynamic. And so of all the coaches that I've talked to, great lessons that I've learned. Um, it was like being in a classroom with, with some of those, like uh, Coach Hunter down at Tulane. Now he coached his son, Ray McCallum, who had coached his son mm-hmm. when he was at Detroit, uh, Patrick McCaffrey, whom I've, I've talked with, and, um, you know, the Bennett's, you know, um, yeah. you know, there's been a lot of people that I've talked to that have really been helpful. Yeah, you know what? I just did a story the other day on this about father and son combinations in the history of college basketball. And my favorite all-time one was Pete Maravich and uh, Press Maravich. Patrick, do you ever see any tape on Pete Maravich? Yeah, I'll look up some highlights on him every once in a while. I think your dad might say he's he was a pretty good player. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. 44 points a game as a, as a freshman, I think it was, or across his career, if, that, if I'm accurate on that. Patrick, you played in the U-19 World Cup in Serbia recently, and uh, you helped the United States win a gold medal. Uh, what did that experience do for you, if, if it did anything? Um, obviously, there are a lot of good players your age in it. Um, what, what did you draw from that experience? Um, I think that was the first time in a while that I had been on the court with that much talent. Um, and I think it was just pretty interesting to see how we all came together at the right moment. And even though it started off kind of rough uh, in practices and such, it all came together in the end when we finished with the gold. So I think it was just cool to see all that talent in one group and just see how we play together. Well, one of your teammates was uh, Chet Holmgren uh, from Minnesota, who's going to play for Gonzaga. Had you played against him before or with him on any teams? We had crossed path a couple times at camp, but we had never really faced off or in practice or been on the same team like that in game uh, other than USA. So this is probably my first time playing against him yeah. or with him in practice. Yeah, I talked to uh, some NBA people, and uh, they, they raved about you and they raved about Holmgren and – they really raved about the kid from France, and I can't think of his last name, but I think he's seven foot two, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, sir. Do you do you know his name off the top of your head, or? Um, I think it's Victor Mbabwe. That that sounds right. Yeah. What what were your impressions of him? I mean, he's just a different type of athlete. I mean, I guarded him for pretty much half the game, and wow. there were just some points where there really wasn't anything you can do. Um, just, I mean, if he fills out and he's still very young, um, him and Chet are pretty much unicorns. And I think there's a, it's just a different type of person genetically that's coming into the game. Um, I mean, he's seven, four, even though they have him at seven, three, he's seven, four, seven, five. Is he really? Jump shot, (laughs) runs like Gobert defense. I mean, he's just a different type of athlete. And I think if he fills out and he figures out how to be effective offensively and knows his spots on the floor. I think there, there's not a whole lot you can do with him. Yeah. I mean, he, when I talked to you a few weeks ago, you said he was Rudy Gobert with a jump shot. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Uh, that sounds like a pretty darn good player. <laughs> now, he won't be eligible for next year's draft, though, I don't think, right? It's the year yeah, after. I don't believe so. Yeah. Say, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you both real quickly about the Milwaukee basketball team this year and, and your thoughts and your expectations. Pat, your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, you know, we're we're in the infancy stages of of uh, our our preparation in the preseason here. We just got back to campus, uh, but had a great summer, and guys are working hard. Uh, we have uh, veteran guys back. We have a lot of new guys, including Patrick, that are that are in and eager to to get better and work each and every day. So I'm excited about our prospects. There's you know there's a lot of promise here, uh, but also our league is is very good. It's very tough. We have a very good non-conference schedule as well with Florida and Colorado and mm-hmm. Rhode Island coming in here on on December 13th. So there's a lot of very good competition that we're going to face. But our I think our team is built with some guys that are competitive. I think we have some talent. We have size that we hadn't had in the last couple of years. So hopefully that that bodes well for us as we prepare for a very challenging year. Patrick, I would imagine you're uh, already pretty psyched uh, about getting down the floor and playing, huh? Yeah, I think we have a solid group. I think we all get along pretty well. But I think, like a lot of people said, we got a lot of work to do from now until the season starts. Um, I'm excited about the talent we have, but we still got some work to do and some things to clean up. But I'm looking forward to the season. Say, Pat, real quickly, um, do you have some idea as to how you're going to play Patrick? Uh, do you change your schemes now when you when you bring a player of this talent on board, or do you stick with what you, you've done in the past? You know, I think any any coach worked there at Salt if they didn't look at a player like Patrick and and really try to study um, how you can how he could be extremely effective, um, then you're not doing your job. So I, I spent a lot of our you know, not even just this year, but a lot of thinking about if I were able sure. to coach Patrick, um, just how I would use him. So it's been a lot of the spring and summer uh, going through that and, and really trying to work through, you know, where is the best place to to put him. And, and like you said, he's a he's a very versatile and unique type of player. And, you know, for me, you know, I'll be able to, to use him all over the floor, whether nice. it's Nice. You know, point guard situation coming off ball screens, catch and shoot. If Did you say point guard? Yeah, he can he can do that. And wow. so I can have that I have that ability to put him in those positions. Um and it's and it would be natural. It wouldn't be a forced situation from that standpoint. But also if he has a, a mismatch and and we know it, he's capable of going into the post as well and and trying to take advantage, whether he's a scorer or a facilitator um at that position. So um, you know, I think there's a number of things that we've worked on that uh, we're going to do and, and continue to add to that each and every every time that uh, we're out on the floor. Well, gentlemen, uh, unless you have anything further you would like to add, I, I want to tell you it was an absolute pleasure to talk to both of you. Uh, you're both really classy guys, and I appreciated your time. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thank you. And uh, thank you to all the listeners. All the best. Take care. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWoofle and WooflesPressBox.com.